0: Here we go. It's time to shift our
1: schools.
0: Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Our schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share life license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. Well, welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools podcast. I'm so excited about tonight's show. I have two just amazing educators joining us tonight uh, from the Asia region, two of my favorite people to work with, and Quit Laughing Kim. Um, <laughs> So we're going to get started tonight and what we're going to try to do is really focus in on student learning and our essential question tonight is going to focus around how do we move students from being dependent learners to independent learners and we're really going to be focusing on projects that we're doing in schools and how do we move kids along, along this a continuum of technology and help them to become independent learners on themselves. But before we get to that, let me go ahead and introduce our guest tonight, starting with uh, somebody who's about, I don't know, 20 kilometers south of me in downtown Bangkok. How are you tonight, Kim Cofino?
2: I'm good. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here.
0: And then up to the north uh, from my mm-hmm. own stopping grounds is Amanda DiCardi. How are you tonight, Menenda?
3: Mm,
2: I'm doing
3: well, thank you.
0: And as usual, from the tiny island Mr. David Carpenter, how are you, my friend?
1: Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. And, Jeff, how
0: are you doing? I, I'm doing fine, although I'm getting bitten by mosquitoes. But other than that, I'll, I'll live. So that's the way it goes. Um, David, why don't you get us started, maybe uh, throw in your two cents about our essential question tonight and get us started into a conversation, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and jump in and, and share some links and just have some, a good conversation around student learning.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, as you mentioned, our central question is how to move students from being dependent to independent learners. And so often our shows talk about um, our classrooms, that we want to be constructivists and centered around students. But we sometimes struggle with students who become, um, I guess, very schooly is the term we're using, and not as independent as we would like them to be. Uh, I I was thinking about this, and I framed it, is if we're going to have these shifted learning communities where the classroom is centered around the students and not the teachers, and we want our students to be pursuing their own interest and their own questions, and where they're creating these project-based learning outcomes, we definitely are going to need them to be as independent and self-motivated and very curious lovers of learning. And so the question tonight is... How do we, in a lot of ways, how do we keep that natural curiosity alive? Um, So we have our guests, uh, Amanda and Kim. Uh, Kim, why don't we start off with you. Uh, What are some thoughts you have about this essential question?
2: Sure. I think um, you talked about keeping the natural curiosity alive and building on their own questioning and wondering and their inquiry about what's going on around them. I think tapping into individual student interests is obviously the beginning point. But I also think there's something to building confidence and helping kids understand that they can solve their own problems and then help each other and build um, kind of a support structure in the classroom. And I think sometimes teachers shy away from that because they feel a little bit like they have to know everything or that the kids are depending on them for knowing things. But um, if we can kind of instill that level of confidence and that you can figure it out and you won't break anything and, and everything is is um, easy to resolve, I think that's kind of what we need to get to for everybody, for the kids and the teachers alike. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think we do a disservice sometimes by by pretending we know it all? For sure. Yeah. I was just thinking that um, Kim and I were sitting in the office today and we had a teacher come in because this is what made me think of it. We had a teacher come in who was trying to use an Excel or was uploading an Excel sheet to uh, Google Docs. And the lines didn't come out exactly the way he wanted to. And it was interesting because (laughs) he wanted them to be just perfect and we couldn't figure out how to do it. And I think it was actually – I think it was him that said, oh, I'll just have the kids do it. And Kim and I were like, perfect. You tell the kids to fix it. Like they'll be able to figure it out. You know, and and it's that whole, that we don't always have to have the answers all the time for the kids, that there, and there are things like that, like how do you bold a line in Excel, that some kid you know is going to dink around in there until they figure out how to do it, so. So.
2: Empowering them to be in charge of their own Uh learning, I think. And not just empowering
3: the students, but empowering the teachers as well where we 're at right now at Shanghai American School, with us going one to one next year, you know the big buzz around school is, okay, my teaching really is going to have to look different now and you know this year's kind of been a pilot year, if you will, because we have had so many Mac laptops in our school, but the teachers are, are kind of having to change the, the, the way they teach, and they're having to go in there without knowing everything and they 're kind of learning along with the kids. So, you know, we're talking about going from dependent to independent learners. I think it's about giving everyone kind of the resources and the same equity of access so that everyone is on the same level playing field so that they can move forward together and as teachers and students alike.
0: Yeah. Uh, David, how important when you, when you were introducing this, you were talking about backwards by design. How How important do you think that is when we're talking about creating projects that allow kids to be independent learners? The, uh,
1: I wrote a post a couple of weeks ago where my two sons who aren't at my school, I'm at school help me, um, So using anybody's design. Process and I was telling, I was talking to them about. Well, here's what I'm looking at. What I think is important for the students to come out of this, and I asked them their opinions. What do you think? And then, I think really got what got them excited is is what Kim was saying that empowering and engagement that they came into it when we talked about not only the assessment stage but the activity stage. So I I agree with agree with you because i'm always a believer that if we have the student voices involved in not only what we're learning there are always going to be parameters because we do have our curriculum but that they can step in and say here here's some things that really get me excited or here's some books that i've read on that or i played these games online or um i was talking to a friend who had these ideas um so often we're moving so quickly we don't have the time to do that so i think that's very important that if we can get those student voices involved.
0: Yeah, on project-based learning, the thing that that I, I think about is watching the Chris Lehman um, Ignite Philly video where he does a pyramid where he, he shows that for education, you know, testing or a test has always been like, you know the summative assessment part and that we need to flip that flip that on its head and make projects what we do in school and i think that you know that leads back to having kids be independent learners that if we give them an authentic task and i really truly believe that's what technology allows us to do is give kids authentic tasks for an authentic audience and allow them to be creative so that's my thinking on it but anyway
2: We're doing FOSS science in our elementary school, and she's doing the, um, the unit on structures of life. And this specific part of her unit was about sprouting seeds. And so we set up a little project to document the seeds as they were sprouting, to learn the vocabulary as we were documenting the seeds, and to reflect on what was happening in the process of those seeds sprouting in our classroom. And so all the kids had cameras. They were in charge of taking their own pictures, of downloading them onto the computer, and then uploading them up to this voice (laughs) thread that we created. And then they had to um, make little paragraphs for each um, day of the sprouting seeds and document what was happening in the voice thread using the little drawing tool to annotate the different parts of the seed that they were talking about. And I think something as simple as that can help maybe show teachers the power of doing little projects with an authentic task and an authentic audience using the right tool um, just to kind of get that buy-in from kids that they're excited and motivated to share all that stuff that they're learning because they are naturally inquisitive and they naturally do want to share. So that's one. That's good. That's cool.
0: Amanda, do you have one you would like to share?
2: Oh, gosh, where do I start? Um,
3: You know, we were talking kind of about UBD. One of my teachers, she just got back from that UBD conference, I think it was in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, But she's actually addressing the essential questions within her science classroom on a wiki. And what we've done is we've created a wiki um, for her class. She has her uh, essential questions for each unit of study, and then... Basically, each student is in charge of answering those essential questions throughout this unit of study, but it's open on how they're going to do it. There are four essential questions. Only one of them can they actually sit down and type out the answer and put the picture up. But for the other three, they're, you know, they're experimenting with the technology. They're using um, iMovie. They're making a quick photo story. They're, some of them are even going higher and using, like, um, Final Cut. Um, But what's really cool is that they're kind of one-upping each other and kind of challenging each other with the technology. And what this has done is it's given us an opportunity to talk about bells and whistles of technology versus the content knowledge. Um, And so I'm I'm really proud of of how the kids are doing as far as taking their content knowledge even further and not just relying on the bells and whistles of the technology to to make it good.
1: A lot of our students are not independent learners, and they're not owning they're learning as they should be. So we're moving in that direction. And and, um, so maybe if you could share a little bit more on the way you all do your student-led conferences and what are some byproducts that you see from it?
3: Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, the student-led conferences have been extremely powerful at our school. And what's wonderful about it is that the kids know that they're coming, and so they really do spend the entire year kind of creating a portfolio, if you will. Now um, we have, you know, well over 330 kids and about 120 laptops in our school. So you know, maybe a one-to-three ratio on the computers, and that's that may sound like it's a lot, but with the amount of technology that the kids are doing, we actually struggle for um, time for the kids to actually use all of that tech in the school. Now, with that said, each child still has a blog in the middle school. All 350 kids have their own blog and. I can pretty comfortably say that they're blogging between three to five times a week, if not more. Wow, that's great. Um, and a lot of what blogging is, is it's about um, reflecting on their own learning in every single class. You mm-hmm. would kind of expect that the blogging naturally happens in the humanities classes, you know, where they may have a reading blog or something. But what I'm finding is that it's my science classes, my arts classes, wow. my, you know, my Chinese classes that have the most amount of blogging, the most amount of reflection on their learning and so the products that the kids are creating throughout the year they are basically just putting up on their blog and they're showcasing um their own learning through their blog throughout the year so that when student conferences come around you know they have everything linked they've gone through and they said okay yes this may be a science category but then they just go ahead and recategorize it in the slc category and everything's right there for their parents once they come in
0: yes yeah that's great it's, it's worked out really well. That's great. Um, one of the things that I think is 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 a great just showcase for something that is region-wide region is the JIN conference or the Global uh, Issues pro- uh, Conference that is being held here in Bangkok next week where – you want to talk about creating projects within our classrooms that that truly lead to passion and lead kids to a deeper understanding. I think that what the conference does is it's a culminating activity to the deeper understanding of global issues for our kids. And it's very, it's high school focused but they do bring it down into the middle schools a lot because their curriculum fits into it. But it's this whole concept of You know, that there are, there are issues that are global issues out there and how do we try and solve them? And that's the big question. And it's great when you are able to pose a big question and have kids work through some of these big ideas out there in the world. And then to be able to have a conference put together like the, the GIN conference that Ericos puts on where you are then take one group from each, uh, school, bring them together and have a conference where now you have kids talking to kids and you have kids learning from each other and bouncing ideas off each other around a real, you know, a true issue that is for the, that these students understand and are trying to solve. And I think that's, you know, that is taking, I think that's what comes out of project based learning is it's very easy. And Kim and I've talked about this before that the thing with project based learning is, is it's a lot of front end work, but once you, once you get started with it, it just goes, you know, and you can really become that facilitator.
3: Yeah. And, you know, that's just it. It just kind of grows, and it it is. It's a tremendous amount of work at the beginning to, you know, not only train the teacher but also train the kids on how they're going to be learning. But once you put all that groundwork in in the beginning, it just kind of grows, and it, it takes off on your own. Um, you know, something so simple right now we've started a wiki for our transition for our fifth graders moving up to sixth grade and you know this is just something that I just like thought oh this would be a great idea but now that the kids have gotten involved and they've taken ownership they have completely taken over this wiki and they have it planned out you know they have the interviews planned they have the questions planned they know how they're going to bring our student council legal ambassadors in but it's it's because we spent the time kind of educating the kids from the beginning on the project-based learning approach.
0: That's great.
1: Uh, Kim, back to the curiosity. What are when you look at some of the teachers you're working with? What are what's an example or two where you you can just see that gleam in the students' eyes? They're, they they want to learn more. They're curious. That the the teacher has something going in that learning environment. That uh, it, it's just. The, the kids have that itch that they want to scratch. Do you have an example or two?
2: I think it's um, tapping into their individual interests. Like I just did the um, the life around here project, that Chris Craft cro- project, which is excellent little digital storytelling project. I did it with a small group of Chrissy's kids, and you can see when you work with her kids how. I don't want to say it's an expectation because that makes it sound like they're kind of demanding something, and that's not what I mean, but there's kind of this expectation that it's something that's meaningful and interesting for me, and I'm going to be able to put my own spin on it. I'm going to be able to be independent. I'm going to be able to be creative, and then they can just run with it. Like like Jeff was saying, it was maybe a little more work in the beginning to get all the things organized for them, but then while we were actually doing the project, I pretty much just walked around and helped kids when they needed help. I wasn't, you know, leading the class. Or anything, and what was amazing about that is that I really did provide very little direction, but I gave them the right information at the right time that they were able to proceed. And each kid or each grouping produced something so different from everybody else. Yet it was all so creative, and I don't know if they would have just been able to do that if they hadn't been provided that kind of learning environment for the whole, you know, first semester of the school year.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true, and, and you know, it's. Kim has a saying that I just love. Go ahead, Kim. Talk about your saying. You know the one I'm talking about.
2: (laughs) My saying is that uh, using technology successfully in the classroom is not a skill set. It's a mindset and a willingness to be flexible, to fail, to try something in front of the kids, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, to start a project and maybe decide it's not working or to start a lesson and decide it's not working and move on to something else and, and to ask the kids for help. And It's that kind of letting go of control that allows you to benefit from both the student experience and your life experience and just kind of make a whole learning environment that, that encompasses both the students and the teachers. And I think that's something that we all have to work towards because as teachers, naturally, we do kind of like to control things. It's just in our makeup.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the great thing, like when you were talking about Chrissy's classes, Chrissy's class is totally the mindset class. And the exactly. interesting... And, and it's, it's Chrissy... Chrissy Hellyer is who we're talking about, and we'll make sure we give a link in the show notes so that you can go see the gazillion projects that she does all the time. But because she has that mindset, I think like what Kim was saying is that mindset now has trickled down to the students where the students have that mindset now where – You know what? I can do anything. And one of the things I love in Chrissy's class is she's got a post, a big piece of poster paper in her room. And she just has listings of who is a expert on any given tool on the laptop. So as we do something for, you know, we do a project that does, you know, that includes GarageBand. Like I was in her class and we did a a project that dealt with GarageBand. And after we got done with the project, she just said, okay, if you feel like you're an expert and you could help somebody else using GarageBand, go put your name under GarageBand over on the the tool list. Well, ma'am, by this time of year, you've got enough kids in the class to cover any tool you want to do. And so the tool has become so minute of the focus at this point that it's really, truly just about, you know, Kim, or I mean, Chrissy comes in and is just like, oh, we're going to do this. Or what do you think about doing this? And the kids can just roll with it because they're used to, they're used to that, you know, ambiguity of just learning. And, be, and having fun with it. And I think that that's just so important. It's so great to see um, a classroom that that is truly about the mindset, not only for the teacher, but about the kids as well.
2: And I think those kids have the confidence to try things, and they're not worried about if it doesn't work the first time, they know they'll figure it out. Because like everybody else in this chat, I work in lots of different classrooms, and I just had an experience where I went into one of my favorite classrooms. I love going in there, don't get me wrong. But I, I was talking to them, and I, I go in maybe every other week, every three weeks, once a month, something like that. And I was talking to them about, let's make that list, that exact same list that Chrissy has of who knows how to do what things. And we all agreed that there are, we have these experts and there's eight experts in each area and they really can do it on their own. And I asked the kids, how do you feel about that? And they're like, we really feel a lot better if you're here with us. And as loving as that is, like, I I really don't want it to be dependent on me. I want it to be dependent on them. But the teacher has to foster that environment. It can't be, it's not, doesn't come automatically.
3: Yeah, I keep saying my goal is to teach myself out of a job. And I know that's not going to happen, but, you know, it is, it kind of goes back to um, creating that independence amongst the teachers as well. But the nice thing about that project-based learning is that it does give each and every child in the classroom to be good at something and to show that. Um, to everybody in the class, that you know, no, they may not be really good at garage and actually, uh, you know, making their own music and making their own song, but they can put iMovie together and they know how to, you know, slow things down in an iMovie or whatever. And when you have that project based learning and it is all authentic and it is open so the products can be different, each child is given that opportunity to just excel. And that's what's exciting and that's what's wonderful. Yeah,
0: agreed. agreed. <clears throat> Does anybody have any other projects they want to share that maybe show or highlight some of this stuff?
3: Um, You know, you wouldn't... I've been a math teacher for 14 years. This is my first year as a tech teacher. And you wouldn't think that uh, math is really the place that you're using technology. One thing that my math teachers have done this year is they have allowed the kids to create their own math videos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's February. We have all of this new vocabulary and algebra. And so they they opened it up to the kids and they said, go make your own movie. And the kids are excited because we have the Shanghai Student Film Festival coming up. And mm-hmm. so they're like, oh, wow, maybe I could win? And, you know, like, I'm not a pro. Okay, they're not going to win that. But they're hopeful. Yeah. Um, but what the kids have done is because it has been so open Open-ended, And because they've been allowed to kind of play and to be creative, they've gone and created some really amazing and fantastic things. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll put a few of the links into the notes, but I've been very impressed with that. But it's because it has been set up for teachers like, you know what, I really don't know how to do this and maybe I can learn along with you. And that's exactly what it's been like because the teacher has been involved in making the videos and creating the videos with the kids as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Definitely.
1: Well, I, I just wanted to make a comment. It's It's been interesting. Both of you have been talking about building confidence and risk-taking. And it's so funny that uh, Jeff and I, that's what we talk about, with, about teachers all the time. How can we work with teachers to help build their confidence and take risk? And that's one of the topics we're going to have in a, few, a future show. So I think that if we can work with these young people... years years from, from now become
0: teachers weird out. Mm. Everyone will be shaking. Yeah, we can hope. <laughs> yeah. We can hope. Um, you know, it, it's it, the thing I like, too, is, is when you start getting into these projects, and I think Amanda's, you know, this story Amanda just told about these cool YouTube videos that the kids are producing um, in math class, is we're always wondering where do they, you know, what are, for lack of a better term, being called 21st century skills, Um, where did they, (laughs) where did they come into play? And, you know, it's, it's when you're allowed to just use the tool within the greater concept that, that those kind of things come out. And, you know, a perfect example I think is leading into that. I just started a, a fifth grade, helping a fifth grade classroom set up a blog. And so as the kids were signing into their accounts, you know, we had to have those discussions about, okay, you're going to be blogging and do you understand what a blog is and do you understand that 1.6 billion people are going to be able to write your content and what does that mean? And what does that mean to you and what does that mean about how you're going to communicate in this space and you know, how do you have to, you know, and understanding you represent the school and and it was really interesting because I always whenever I have the kids set up set up a blog, I always have them then go in and and, and write a blog post, you know, their first practice blog posts and and this one, I just had them write, you know, my first thoughts on blogging. And it's really interesting to hear the kids, you know, just think about blogging for the first time or, or putting their their writing out where people can see it. And I just pulled up the blog and it's I'll just read you this one from, um, from a girl named Emily. And it says, I'm a bit unsure about blogging because I don't know if my parents want me doing it. And knowing that 1.5 billion people can see this blog post just makes it worse. You know, and it's that kind of, but it's that kind of, you know for the first time these kids are being exposed to this within the classroom and we talk about well where does this fit into the where do where do these kind of conversations fit into the curriculum but if we allow if we allow the projects to become these open ended projects then we can start having those conversations like just like I'm sure you know Amanda had similar conversations with, you know, if you're going to create a YouTube video, you need to be careful with what's on the YouTube video and make sure that you can put that out on YouTube because there's a lot of people that go and watch YouTube videos. So I just find it, you know, I find that as the place that if we can, if we can get into these places that that's where it's at. So I don't know.
2: And I think we have to strike a balance too between empowering them and getting them excited and wanting to share all their thoughts with this authentic audience, and also thinking about being safe and responsible and respectful and all of those other things. And I think sometimes it's um, it's either the parents' per- perception or the teacher's perception that can weigh it too heavily to one side or another.
0: Yeah, I agree. So. Okay, well, if uh, if anybody does, if we don't have any more projects to kind of discuss and we've got a lot of great links so make sure if you're listening to the podcast that you go into the show notes because there'll be links galore in there for you to to look at a lot of these projects that are coming out of our schools Uh, why don't we move into a blog post or a reading or uh, a book recommendation or something like that that you would like to recommend to listeners Uh, why don't we start David why don't we start with you and then we'll go to Kim Amanda and I'll wrap us up
1: right, great Uh, you all hit a little bit earlier on the idea of celebrating students, so I'm going to add the blog of one of my seventh grade students. Her name is Leanne, a very talented young lady. Um, so, Leanne, congratulations to you! You're going to be my blog post
0: of the week. And what's the blog top? What's the blog post on?
1: Uh, well, I'm just going to do her whole blog. It's it's just an everyday thing, and not one specific uh, post, I guess. Okay, that's great. All right. Kim.
2: I'm going to promote Chrissy again because I've actually been watching her participate in Sylvia Tolosano's Around the World with 80 Schools project where she, um, Sylvia has set up basically the infrastructure for schools to Skype with as many different schools as they want, and she's got very um, – simple set formula for each conversation so they shouldn't last more than five minutes and on Chrissy's classroom blog which is written by students all the different students in the class she's you can read the kind of development of what they've learned and how they've experienced and how this has kind of changed their understanding of communication and collaboration and intercultural awareness um, around the world it's been really powerful to see how many conversations they've been able to to bring into their classroom and how far they're willing to go to have these conversations. Like the the top blog that I'll put in the link is one where they came back to school at seven 30 at night because they're so excited to talk. Even if it's just for five minutes with another class mm-hmm. around the world.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Amanda.
3: Um, it's I'm funny. I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, <laughs> the blog links that you're putting up Jeff right now in the chat. Um, I would actually, I'm going to put up some student blog posts as well. The kids are, are busy preparing for student led conferences, and it's actually very difficult just to put one out. But when you do go to blogs.saschina.org, and then uh, you will have a whole bunch of links to a whole bunch of kids, and they've just been doing some great work. But there's one in particular I want to put out there, and um, it's actually, the blog post is a little bit older. But this is just an example of what can happen. Um, this particular student is a sixth grade student girl who loves strength. She's in the orchestra and she loves it. And she was in my... Um, one of my elective classes and we were playing with the Mac and we were making middle school podcasts. And she's like, Misty Cardi, can I stay after school a couple of days this week? And so she did. And what she ended up doing is she used GarageBand, garage band and she played the part of first violin and then she played the part of second violin mm-hmm. and then she played the part of the cello and then she put it all together in garage band. And why did she do this? She could. It wasn't an assignment. It was just playing with technology. It was about giving her the tools and giving her, you know, access to the tools so that she could go be creative. And what has come out of this one single blog post has been fantastic because... Now, all of the kids in the school are starting to do this just because they've realized that they've been able to do so. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share Ariel's blog post, and I'd love it if you all went and took a look at what she did because it's pretty remarkable for such a young lady.
0: That's cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll finish up with two blog posts. Um, the one, is, one comes from Shanghai, and this was one that was forwarded to me from a teacher in Shanghai. It's a fantastic one. It's actually an IB chemistry blog. Um, it's written by 11th graders, and they just do some the most amazing in-depth thinking that I've ever – I mean, there's no way I'd be able to write like this when I was in 11th grade. That's how crazy this stuff is. And uh, there was one interesting, though, one that came up a few weeks ago. It came up on the 26th of February, actually, and, it, and the title of it is, Is, Techno- is Technology Making Us Impersonal? And it's a great blog post by here, here are these kids that are, are totally entrenched in this technology world. And yet they're thinking about the question, is technology making us impersonal? And it's a fantastic blog post, but it, the blog post is only the beginning of it. If you get into the comments, there's two comments left by two of the two students in the class, and I swear the comments are longer than the original blog post. Like, these kids are doing some deep thinking around, you know, how technology is changing our lives, and just because it is changing our lives, is that good or is that bad? And it's just some fascinating conversation. So that's one. The second one I'll throw in there is the blog I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's a, a fifth-grade blog that's just getting started, and we're going to be using it to kids are going to be publishing their poetry as they start their poetry unit. And that's Armitage's Army, a fifth-grade class here. And so you can go there, and you can read some of those first reflections that fifth-graders had about blogging and some of the fears or, uh, in their words, awesomeness that this is going to be. So... Uh, those are two links. And then just for closers, I want to throw in a, an article that I, that I found today, and I've been sharing all over the place. Kim's I'm tired of hearing it by now, I'm sure. Um, it's one in eSchool News, and the title of it is "NCTE Defines Writing for the 21st Century. And what it is is the National Council of Teachers uh, for English has come out with a way to kind of guide schools through updating their writing curriculum. And there's a great white paper that I'm not done reading yet um, that, that talks about the history of the English language and how we've moved through these kind of phases and that we're really in just the next phase. And the best part out of the article though is, is where they talk about that we're, we're um, heading into the age of composition. In a period where writing becomes, where writers become composers, not through direct or formal instruction alone, if at all, but rather through what might be called an extracurricular social coal apprenticeship. And I think that's just such a great way to, to wrap up what this, what this is. You know, it's the kids coming in after school because they want to make a garage band because they can. It's the kids showing Mm up at seven o'clock at night to Skype for five minutes within a class because they can. And it's this Mm -hmm. whole idea that that learning can happen anywhere, anytime. And if you engage the kids, that's where the true power of it is. So I just wanted to share that. It's a fantastic article, fantastic white paper. You can download it from the article at eSchool News as well. So with that, David, why don't you kind of wrap us up and tell us where we're headed in the next couple of weeks here. All right. I'm going to be your travel agent. I can
1: see that you're headed to the Earco's Teachers Conference on March 28th, where you're going to be interviewing teachers from around Asia and talking about some of their shifted lesson ideas.
0: Excellent. I wonder if I can wrap Kim into coming in and doing that with me. I'll I'll have to bribe her.
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: no, so we're gonna try to, and we don't know what the we don't know what the um, wireless or the internet connection is going to be like. So no guarantees. But if possible, we're gonna try to uh, podcast live, just to kind of show off podcasting to teachers in the region, and also as um, David said, to kind of have that conversation with teachers so that they can also share their lessons and ideas and and things that are going. So I hope, and I'm crossing my fingers that we'll be able to do that. So. And then after that where are we at? Do you know? Oh. All right.
1: Jumping out after that, John Micton's gonna join us on April 9th to talk about how can we help teachers take more risk in their
0: teaching. Excellent. So that's great. So if you don't if you don't get any Twitter messages or see anything on the board about the Air Coast one, then we'll be here with John Micton talking about that. So all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, heading through the technical difficulties and sticking it out tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, Amanda, it's always a pleasure. And keep doing the most wonderful
3: things. <laughs> good
0: luck with your um, one-to-one transition at Shanghai Medical Thank Maryland. you. You guys next Thank year. you. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: Kimbo, I'll see you tomorrow at work.
2: See you tomorrow.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, David, as always. And that's another Shifting Our Schools too. podcast. Until next time, keep shifting those schools.